0: Welcome Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, Mean we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guests today are, we'll call you guys veteran advocates, right? Because that's part of what you guys are doing, but you also you have a great history that you're willing to share, and we appreciate that. So first, just thank you for being on the show.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's always fun to talk
0: about what we
1: did, and it's, it's a lot of fun to poke into the psyche that is America and let people know that there are different ways to look at what they've always been taught.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And uh, we'll delve into not only stories, but uh, you guys continue to serve as well. So you had that drawing to serve being in the Marine Corps and Navy, right? Navy and Air Force. Uh, But you continue to serve as well out in the community. But if I can get both of you um, just to state your name and what branch of service you were in.
2: Joe Cross, United States Marine Corps.
0: Mark Wright, uh, active duty Navy and Air Force Reserves. Awesome. Thank you very much. Joe, we'll start with you, if you don't mind. Why did you end up choosing to join the Marine Corps of all branches?
2: I was told it was the most challenging, and um, I wasn't the smartest guy. I chose that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Mark? Uh, I joined the Navy to see the world.
2: There you go.
0: Did it work out for you? No, not at all. <laughs> Where'd you end up? On a submarine. Oh, okay. I saw a whole lot of steel. You saw a whole lot of steel, yeah. Joe, what'd you do in the Marine Corps? I was a uh,
2: 5811 MP. Mm. MP. And uh, did you get to see the world? I've got to see a few interesting places, a lot of Southeast Asia. Thailand, Iraq, uh I don't I didn't know that was Southeast Asia until I got a push. Okay, I was gonna say the same thing. We better
0: break it down, just for those that didn't know, know, because I was kinda of the same boat. I was over in Afghanistan. I was like, Wait, Afghanistan is part of that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you I thought that was the Middle East, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly. And
2: I, gotta, I, I thought we was going to Iraq. I'm going to Southeast Asia. Am I going back to Thailand? Uh, that's fine. <laughs> well, I was going to
0: say that probably was a pretty good assignment, I would guess. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Spent a summer in Thailand. It was fun. All right. I'm jealous, All right? And you <laughs> you got to spend what uh, 150, 200 meters and underneath the something like water. That. <laughs> Google has a better answer though, because uh, some of that's classified. Do they make anything other than nuclear-capable submarines? Not anymore, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, so. It's, uh, we used to have
1: diesel boats in our inventory, and your Iran's, your Russia's, China, they still have diesel boats, but U.S. does not. Uh, there's advantages to each. Obviously, if you want to be able to, to stay out longer and go out quieter, it's going to be a nuclear-equipped submarine. However... Diesel boats have the added um, capability of sounding like every other boat in the water. So it's an advantage. Like uh, if we were in heavily trafficked water, we could turn on our diesel generators, turn off our nuclear uh, capability, and then we'd just sound like another boat. Interesting. Unless somebody knew we were there, they wouldn't know that we were there.
0: Yeah.
1: So there probably were a lot of locations that they didn't know you were there. Yes, the, 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 that, that was our whole mission. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, my job was nuclear deterrence, carrying nuclear weapons to, to respond if the end of the world happened. And the whole mission is you go find your spot in the ocean, and you hide until told otherwise.
0: But you also did Air Force, so what did you do in the Air Force? I
1: was a plumber. Okay. Uh, complete 180 from what I was doing. Okay. Even though there's overlaps, obviously, military is military and a technician whether it's water systems or pneumatic systems, you're going to do something similar. But I found that being a plumber in the Air Force was significantly better quality of life because in nuclear deterrence, everyone wants to know you're doing your job right. you got guiding country over your shoulder, making sure you're not doing anything you ought not to do or making a mistake. I'm sure if you were nuclear deterrence, you saw mistakes happen in... It was big news. Yep. Nobody tells you how to do the job of a plumber. Not a single officer will tell you, "Hey, you missed that spot," <laughs> or uh, "Hey, this fuel line was done wrong." No, they're like, "You got it flushing. I can do my business. All right, I don't care." Yeah, happy, happy and folks going deploying down. Deploying as a civil engineer <laughs> is. Easily one of the best uh, communities and the best quality of lives in the military, at least from my perspective.
0: Uh, we can compare uh, deployment histories with the Marine Corps versus the Air Force with Navy. Um, but... there's a tear. There's
1: <laughs> tears of happiness with the military. Well, I've I mean... done something
2: similar. I burned <laughs> in barrels with diesel and JP-8. <laughs>
0: Did you, did you call not, yourself
2: a plumber? Not quite as glamorous no. as the pipes. <laughs> no. Cleaning pipes like you did in the Navy.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't clean pipes in the Navy, but I was very good at it in the Air Force. I'm going to jump back just as, just a minute because I think it's really interesting uh, just to talk because we have really three different branches of service represented in, in one room. Um, and, and I'm thinking of back towards your uh, when you went to basic training. What was something that stood out Joe, from the Marine Corps basic training, going through that?
2: It was challenging, very difficult, I would say. Uh, when I went through, there was lots of in- inhumane treatment, and um, I was lucky to make it through, to be honest with you.
0: Do you mind saying what when you went through there, what year, tie frame?
2: I graduated uh, boot camp in 1998, March 13th, which was my 21st birthday.
0: Awesome, okay, very cool. Mark, you. How about the Navy boot camp? Anything that stands out? I remember being scared the whole time, and
1: it was uh, it, it was culture shock for me. Uh, I went into the Navy to be a SEAL. I came from a homeschool religious environment where my education was absolutely superior. My my fitness was very high. Uh, I went from not having any experience in swimming to being able to pass the seal entry test in in a couple weeks Hmm. and uh Hmm. i scored a perfect score on the asvab so i had all these things happening and i get to boot camp and all of a sudden everybody's just (laughs) yelling down at you you're (laughs) horrible you're worthless you have no idea what you're doing here and it's like yeah i don't don't. and (laughs) went straight to my head so that was my boot camp experience it took me about halfway through the boot camp i was like wait a minute I'm I'm destroying the tests, I'm doing great on every fitness challenge they give me. The only thing I can't do is march. So uh, success. I think I'm good.
0: Success, right? That when, took a while When was, to it out. Uh, when was that?
1: When did that you That was two thousand six. Okay. Are you flat footed? I have no idea what my issue is, probably not having a beat.
2: I, I, I struggled with marching, matter <laughs> so of fact. So I could
1: not march for anything. I couldn't keep a beat.
2: I couldn't march. That's, that's that's partially what made boot camp so hard for me, is I couldn't march, and I bounce when I walk, and, but I'm flat-footed. And,
1: and I was terrified that I was going to get rejected back to the beginning of boot camp over it the well, whole time. When
2: we did we did final drill, they threw me in a locker and locked me up. Oof. So I couldn't go to the parade deck to march, because that's what the <laughs> drill instructors were rated on. Lucky for yeah. me, it started pouring down rain, and they took us to a gym where we just did rifle manual, and they let me participate.
1: Believe it or not, on the day we were, our, our division mm-hmm. was tested for marching, I was sick that day.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was sick. They threw me in a gear locker and bleach and all kinds of dirty chemicals fell on me, and it was <laughs> it was a long day. That's,
0: and I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that um, in the Marine Corps that they the drill instructor was... Uh, grade it for lack of a better term off the capability of the marching
2: that's yeah the a, companies compete and that's a yeah. big deal for the yeah. drill instructor yeah, to do that. that i mean th- that back then they had one of them uh, vhs camcorders you throw on your shoulder and they videotape it and well they brought it back one day and everybody's going smooth as can be and here's me bouncing <laughs> <the> back and. <laughs> Uh, they would have me up marching around a squad bay every other hour throughout the night. They'd wake me up like every other hour. It's
0: time to practice.
2: Yeah, and they have me march around a squad bay with my rifle.
0: That's that's awesome. Okay, I want to see that video. <laughs> you got that anywhere? You can share. We put that in the show notes.
2: No videos for boot camp.
0: The videos. Um, so. Mark, I'm kind of curious, Did uh, so you, you went through Navy, you got out of the Navy, you joined, the, decided to join the Air Force Reserves. Did you go back through boot camp for the Air Force? No, I did not have to. Okay, That was definitely one of the,
1: the criteria that I would have considered before making a decision to transition services. For the Army and the Marines, they require you go back through boot camp if you transition mm-hmm. to them, regardless if you're going Reserves. And... While that wasn't really a huge selling point, Like I, I was significantly considering going to army boot camp because on paper it looks like a lot of fun. Right. At that point I had a pretty well established family and going to boot camp wasn't really in my career
0: goals. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I know we had uh, just in uh, our boot camp, Air Force boot camp, we had several prior military um, and they did a two week kind of boot camp if they passed the test. but it was interesting. Anyway, getting off subject a little bit, but why did you both um, decide to go join the service in the first place? Joe, you want to start?
2: Uh, My grandfather passed. He had a military funeral, and I kind of looked at my life and what I was doing and thought I could do something a little bit better. Um, Things weren't going so great for me, so I thought I could uh, develop some skills and learn some things from the military, so I decided to go, and Meet a couple different recruiters, and um, the Marine Corps recruiter impressed me the most.
0: Awesome. That's cool. Mark?
1: Uh, Very similar. Uh, My grandfather on my dad's side was a World War II Pacific Navy veteran. While we did not know his specific tour of duty experiences, uh, we did get a pretty good, I guess I was seven when we had his military funeral. Uh, my oldest brother also joined the Navy uh, on an aircraft carrier, so I, I wasn't settled on the Navy. I didn't know going in that I was going to join the Navy, but that's just kind of the way it worked out. Nice. Okay. Well,
0: thank you both for sharing that. The next question is totally off-subject, but I love this question because I love the answers that I get uh, talking to the other military-connected veterans when I ask this. So. Um, in the military, in the podcast, it's called Tactically acquire. But to tactically acquire something, you're basically take what we'll call it sneaky, sneakily acquire it, um, and it's much-needed equipment or items. Do either one of you uh, ever have to tactically acquire something? I'd say there's still a
1: strong culture of that in the military, regardless of where you go. Um, in the Navy, it was a game specifically if somebody had a nice pen mm. and so if somebody had a nice pen they didn't advertise the fact or leave it around because it was disappearing um however after getting out of the navy i still find myself like
0: hey it's a nice pen that's a, guy, a nice pen yeah
2: yeah i have a strong history of acquiring things uh the most uh, unique thing um, I went on went to acquire was back in 2003 before we went on initial invasion in, into Iraq, which we went on day one at uh, Bre- Breach Point West out of Kuwait. Um, we went down to the naval shipyard and we, you know, we, we had a little brief about hey, we're just gonna go down here and get some uh, steel. We're gonna bolt up, bolt it on our vehicles. We're gonna have some armor steel. So we pull up with a five-ton, seven-ton. There's a bunch of ship workers. Uh, People, uh, civilians all around, we get out of the back of seven-ton, we run up there, just start grabbing steel, loading it, and we're kind of leisurely doing this, because it's hot as piss in Kuwait, uh-huh. and um, these guys are looking at us, and then the platoon sergeant starts screaming at us, hurry up, hurry up, and we got to get out of here. And I didn't realize we were um, tactically acquiring that steel <laughs> from a civilian shipyard. I thought we were going there to get this steel, and um, we had paid for it, or we'd done something else, but... Well, we quickly loaded up this steel, and it was a lot of heavy steel we threw in the back of the 7-ton. We drove to a Navy base, and, man, I'll tell you what, they fed us really well. we have been eating MREs for a couple of weeks in Kuwait. The Navy, they have good chow and compared to what we eat in the Marine Corps. So we go there. These guys are cutting this steel with torches, and they said, Yeah, we don't have any ceramic plates for your flak jackets, but if you're a gunner, you can have this steel mass and put it in your flak jacket. I was really happy that I got one of those. That's awesome. One of my guys uh, was like, he's probably an aero engineer or something. I don't know how he ended up in the Marine Corps, but he was in my my fire team. And he said, look, you know what's going to happen if you wear that piece of steel inside your flak jacket? I said, no, what? He said, you're better off just getting hit with a straight round, because if they shoot that, it's going to create a bigger mass, and your heart's going to get crushed, and your ribs are going to break, and... I was like, well, maybe that's not too good. Maybe they can bolt that on the side of the Humvee, too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the CBs cut up all the scrap steel we had. They Most of it never got bolted onto the vehicle. just got thrown in the vehicle and would have created more projectiles had we got hit. So we, we thought we were doing something, but we didn't. Yeah,
0: no, that's awesome. That's a great story. Mark, what are some of the things you kind of miss about being in the service? Yeah. Benny. Uh, okay, so
1: it's it's weird and I think people who have separated will understand this but the predictability is is really nice I I found when I transitioned out of active duty and had to figure out what my next whole step was Mm -hmm. not knowing where TRICARE was coming from not knowing when where the next paycheck was or not having the constant BAH or whatever benefits that were afforded to active duty and you know, just like that not having that reliability that predictability I, I think that that really made me have to learn just how to negotiate what's next it,
0: it surprised me yeah absolutely what do you think joe
2: uh two different things um one kind of is unpredictable <laughs> Uh, the excitement, the rush you get, I'll never, life seems so dull and boring, never been more excited than when you get shot at or you might possibly get, excite, uh, get shot at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my last tour, they would talk about, hey, we're going to run a convoy through downtown Fallujah at night. That route's red. Sweet. You might see some action. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you felt alive. You know, The fact that you might get killed made you feel very much alive. Uh, the other thing I really miss about is the camaraderie, the friends. It's like, um, your little brother or bigger brothers, you constantly hate these people. You about them, you complain about them. (laughs) This guy's feet stinks. This guy won't take a shower. But you know what? You miss all those people. You miss all those personalities. And, um, even today, if I, uh, you know, drove to a different state, I'd have a place to stay. I'd have somebody that would fight right next to me and help me out the best they could so you do have some lifelong friendships you can Absolutely. reach out to people and it'd be nice if they were closer
0: right yeah but I, I, what a great point though I, i'm you're right i can't travel too many places we don't know somebody or come across somebody that uh, you can reach out to so um and that excitement you know uh, mission uh, org says 76 percent of all service members when they transition out of the military will struggle um, and there's a big reason part of that especially a combat veteran trying to re- find that uh, that excitement that you felt um, while you were in and uh, there's a big reason why uh, a lot of us go out and buy motorcycles and don't wear helmets and do other stupid stuff to try to find that that excitement again do you have any advice uh, for those it's actually
1: something I have explored a lot talking with my friends in the VFW and taking it very seriously just to talk to people every veteran is a story and I think that's somewhere they get a little bit losses, discovering what their story is when they transition. Mm-hmm. And connecting all of, I, I don't go anywhere where somebody doesn't know someone who has struggled either with mental issues, with depression or suicide. Everybody in a VFW knows that guy or ha- is that guy who has experienced mental issues, and had to question their worth and i think one of the common denominators is a sense of purpose while you're in there while you're in whichever branch you're in that branch dictates your worth what your value is how you interact with the mission when a person separates they lose that sense of purpose and if they haven't explored for themselves what their worth is besides the mission, then they are going to struggle. And I think a lot of the service branches, uh, particularly the Navy, for me, they do a poor job of giving their members a sense of worth outside of the mission. And while they've worked on it and they try to do transition classes and set people up for success when they exit, they've done a poor job of giving them a new sense of purpose.
0: I, I, I love that. I don't know if I've uh, heard that kind of put that way before, is that worth? Because uh, you're, you're absolutely correct, and refinding that purpose or that worth is key um, to properly transitioning. Well,
1: one common denominator between all humans, and it, it spans the, most of human history, re- regardless of where they are, who they are, where they're from, they need a story. Humans need stories. Most Americans find their story within their religion, within their culture, uh, within their political identity. But a, a transitioning service member may not have that story, they're, and their worth is tied to that story. If they have not found that story that is themselves, that's outside of what they've been taught, that's where the source of struggle comes, and that's what our service organizations like the VFW. Um, and I'm not I'm not a social worker. I've I've had great conversations with social workers, but community is such a big part of the story of the individual that if our service organizations can connect to those people and give them that sense of community, that's a major chunk of mm-hmm. where they're finding their identity and we can help solve veteran suicide
2: being like accepted that. and be able to fit in is a great thing I've struggled myself mm-hmm. with things I've done a great job of masking that most people would never know that um, just recently in the past couple of years I've joined, joined the VFW. I've joined American Legion I've started engaging different veteran events and um, it's nice to be able to talk to people uh, that understand you um,
0: like-minded souls right
2: yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you can walk in some place and say, what you doing, <laughs> and that's accepted, and uh, they'll give it right back to and you. Hey,
1: I can't say that anymore, but I'll meet out back. <laughs> you know, it's
2: most of your civilian friends or most of your other people ask inappropriate questions, and then they'll judge you when you give them the true answer. Right. And, um, you know, I've learned not to do, give them answers or give them ammo to use, but... there's a nice thing about being able to tell somebody something and they understand it. You can have a beer with somebody, and it's probably a hell of a lot better than that therapy they give you at the VA. I
0: I took that a lot of notes. I was writing a lot uh, because you guys had some really great um, insight, for lack of a better way to say it. But uh, as you both were talking, I kept coming back to the, the books by Sebastian Younger called Tribe. And it talks literally a lot like you guys talked about. Um, if you haven't seen the book or if you haven't read the book, uh, go mm-hmm. out and read it. It's great information about Well, we all have transition. tribes
2: in the workplace, everywhere else, right? Exactly. I, I've exactly. listened to the audio book. Yeah. Maslow's
0: <laughs> Hierarchy of Needs. Yeah. It's uh, getting that connection and everything. And, and, and you guys have mentioned um, about the VFW and you're both members of the VFW. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the VFW and how you're continuing to serve through your, your post?
2: Mark provides a great service. Sometimes he's an ear to listen to for a Vietnam veteran. Sometimes he blows smoke and will taunt other guys. They need that. They need to feel like they're worth something or more or less worthless, depending on what branch of service they're in. Because in the Marine Corps and the Army, they probably tell them they're dirt, they're nothing. And sometimes Mark will talk to people like that when he's drinking. It makes them feel like uh, they're back in the action. Um, but, you know, all seriousness, um, he is a good ear to listen to. He's uh, set out there. He's, I think he talked a guy off a ledge one night. We had a one, one guy, I think, um, could have been suicidal, but Mark was an ear to listen to that night. And I talked to him afterwards. He was doing a lot better that same day. It's um, There's a lot we can give back to each other. A lot of these guys, um, you know, I talked about camaraderie, having friends. A lot of these guys are used to having friends around them all the time. And now they're off on their own. They feel disconnected. Their wives left them. Uh, there's all kinds of problems. Being able to insert themselves with another, another group of good guys and gals that are uh, understanding or have experienced the same sort of things it gives them that sense of camaraderie. And as you said, they have their own tribe now and identity, and they're less likely to have these problems. Absolutely. they've got resources to help them and if nothing just an ear to listen to i know there was one night one of our guys really struggling but mark was there to talk to him and listen to him and it made a world of difference for this gentleman awesome
0: well you want to do a plug of
2: uh, your particular vfw and where it's located
0: and uh, how they can get in touch with them? we'll put the information in the show notes as well yeah i
1: i, I can definitely cover that one uh, we both represent uh vfw post 6095 which is in latonia northern kentucky Uh, it's one of the best uh, posts in northern kentucky and the reason i say that is because on top of having a bar and all your typical traditional things you'd see at a vfw we also have a several acre pond which every year we use to have guys bring their families out and have a kids fishing derby and that Resources open all year long to members of our post and guests of our post. Uh, it's it's not a public post. We do we do have to crowd control quite a bit, but the options open, especially for somebody we can vouch for. Hey, he's a good guy. And yeah, absolutely. Come come use our our post for fishing, and uh, I I love fishing. My kids love fishing and. Uh, I don't know of any other post in Northern Kentucky that can say the same thing.
0: And it's a, it's a, it actually is a beautiful little area, right? Kind of kind of tucked away a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's a, um, a great resource that's available as well. All right, I'm gonna jump away from that just for a bit. And uh, I want you to just kind of go back and think, before you left to go to boot camp, if you could give yourself advice right now, what would you give your, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Joe, you want to tackle that one first?
2: I would have uh, made sure I was in a little bit better shape. I could, uh, I'd want to be able to run five miles uh, easily without stopping. Uh, also, I would have uh, studied up on some things. I was a little bit arrogant. I thought I was a pretty good athlete, and I thought I wouldn't have too many issues. And um, there's a lot of a lot to a lot to know, a lot to learn.
0: Mark,
1: uh, I th- I think the most valuable and. I, t- I, I say it with a, a grain of salt, but before you join the military, know what you want out of the military, do it with a sense of purpose. If your purpose is to get a 20-year career, I don't think any 18-year-old knows that at that point, mm-hmm. but if you know that you're in it to get three years worth of career, uh, of experience, and work your way straight into benefits, that's also very valuable and with that being said, if you know what you want to do in life, be ready to take the test that will give you the opportunity to to do a job that will bounce you to that next step. Um, as, much, as much pride as infantrymen have of being infantrymen and how much of a community they have for it, if we're all being honest, when they get out of the military, that set of skills – becomes irrelevant very quickly
2: I'd be quick to disagree with you that um, then that's that's fair they train all marines to you know learn the infantry skills and that and I could tell you of all the skills I've learned leadership and ability to take control and make things happen that skill is transferable no matter where absolutely. you're at absolutely yeah. that's uh, that's probably the greatest thing I've learned in the Marine Corps they teach small unit unit leadership as E1 E3 if you're an E2 and there's some E1s you're taking charge you're doing things that is something I think uh, this country is really lacking. In this new society where we're giving everybody trophies, uh, people aren't taking control. People aren't leading in the right direction. And I think that's a lot that's wrong with this country. That That's probably one of the best skills I learned from the Marine mm. Corps was the, the ability to lead and the be, ability to do things where most people...
1: And absolutely, I, I would not take that back from anybody. Leadership is absolutely a skill and a rare, valuable skill. However... It doesn't necessarily get the next job you want so if you're in it for 20 years and you have that leadership absolutely that's that's a great skill set to have but if you know that you want to be working on electronics or if you want to be in cybersecurity pass the test with a high enough score to get that job and then use the time you're in to get the education and certification to get to the next step don't just let the military dictate your worth what your value is know what how you and if this is temporary for you know that this is temporary and be working
0: toward the next step good all great advice and uh, yeah,
2: it's probably too many resources most of us didn't take advantage of. exactly, exactly.
0: right it, which brings me right into my next question if you had any advice for service members or veterans that have gotten out or recently gotten out you have any suggestions tips tools any you know just general guidance for them
2: don't complain as much as you say you hate it at certain times, you're going to miss those times. Um, some of the little spats and fights you get into, especially on deployments when uh, things are kind of hot and heavy, uh, just kind of look past that stuff. People, uh, you know, you get into it with people you've lived with and you've dealt with, and it, it gets really nasty. But that's just a short period of time under a lot of stress. There's uh, some things, you know, some fights and some things you'll, you'll, you don't need to not talk to those people anymore because those little, little instances that happen during the worst times of your life. Um, embrace every moment you got. There's a, something to be learned, something to be experienced. And uh, a lot of unusual stuff you'll see that um, most people won't have those life experiences. Uh, if you use that as a learning opportunity, it can be a great thing for you. It doesn't define who you are. It just helps mold and shape uh what you are amen
1: mark uh i I would follow along with that and also say you're transitioning or you're recently transitioned know your mission what is your mission now have you defined it for yourself and in the process of knowing your mission and completing that mission Know your worth and know your resources. If you can connect to your VA benefits, whether they are medical, educational, or even getting your first house, all of those are extremely powerful benefits. So know what you want next and use your resources to get what's next.
0: Yeah, and that's a great segue. And then me to do a, a shameless plug. Um, if you are looking for resources, you can always join or go online to veterans.nku.edu. The veteran resource station is not only here for Nku faculty, staff, and students, but we're here for the North Kentucky community as well. And we have a plethora of resources listed on our website. But you can always give us a call at eight five nine. 572-7867, and we can help connect you directly to any resources. With that, gentlemen, any final thoughts? Anything that we didn't talk about that you want to get out there, or any other stories you'd like to share? Uh,
1: I, I just close with saying, if you're a, if you're a Northern Kentucky, Southern, Southwest Ohio veteran, and and you're looking for a community, or if you're in town, uh, hit us up at sixty ninety five. And your first beer is on us. Uh,
0: that's awesome. And like I said, we'll put the address and contact information in the show notes as well. Yeah, we'd love to meet you and hear your story. Perfect. Awesome.
2: And if you're not the most social person, reach out. There's people that will help you, people that will listen to you, people that will talk to you. We have way too many veterans in need that don't reach out or don't talk to somebody. There's uh, a lot of people that have been where you are, and um, they're willing to... Uh, help you get past it because somebody probably helped them get past it.
0: Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you both so much for being a part of Tackley Acquired. Thank you.